Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Yes, bottom. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are coming at you live from frozen New York City. It is so fucking cold here this week. I'm over at JB is singing Frozen to illustrate what I'm saying. Uh, But we are live, if you're listening live, at 11 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, January 22nd, 2022. That's what I'm going to call it now. We're in the year 2022. If you're listening at dnrstudios.com or on the DNRcast app, the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. My bell is way the hell over here. Uh, Leave us your ratings and reviews. We got a new review. I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Apple Podcasts is the most important place to do that or wherever else you listen to this thing. Email me, me, at adam at adamsank.com. I respond to every email I get. Did you guys know that? Call and speak to us live on the Ass Hotline anytime. The number is 804-TALK-ASS, 804-825-5277. You can call in live and talk to us. Let us know what uh, what you're up to. Like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. Download my my two comedy albums. Get your official ass merchandise at adamsank.com. Wouldn't you love a t-shirt that says, this is fuckery? I would. Also, please get vaccinated if you haven't already done so. If you refuse to get vaccinated, then stay the fuck out of our hospitals. Take your horse dewormer. Fuck off and die. Our guest today is a hilarious comedian uh, named Jay Black. I've been a fan of his for many years, um, and I don't know if he knows that uh, that we performed together once once upon a time many years ago, and he made such an impact on me that I have never forgotten him. So Jay Black will be uh, calling in live, but first it's time to introduce my co-host, everyone's favorite cum slut, Steve Cesaro. Bottom. With an intro like that, <laughs> how, how could I not be happy to be here? Steve, you have some exciting news. Do you want to share it with the listeners, or is, is it too soon for that? Um, let's share it next, in, I guess, in three weeks, just okay. in case something falls through. I don't want to jinx it. Okay. Steve, is, uh, there's a major life change happening yes. with Steve and his husband. They're not getting a divorce. Don't worry about them. But uh, yeah, good They're things are happening. They're going to be running a brothel, and I will be their <laughs> madam. <laughs> I'm here for it. Madam JB. Also yes. with us, as always, is JB, the queen of fuckery. Hello, JB. Hello. JB was telling us uh, he also has great news. He now has windows that close, <laughs> which is very important given the Arctic chill that we've got happening here in the city. My apartment's really warm. I'm walking around with underwears and a t-shirt like in summertime. Mm. The goal of every New Yorker How sexy. is to have a window that opens and, and closes. closes. <laughs> it really is. I mean, people in other cities and other towns take that for granted, but... Having proper heating, proper AC, these are things True. that we don't often – that's a privilege in New York. It really is. Um, so, Steve, what else is new with you? Um, well, like every homosexual, it was negative five degrees this morning in uh, upstate New York, and I still got my iced coffee. coffee. <laughs> See, even I got hot coffee. I thought about it, and I thought, no, I, I need something that's easily sippable, enjoyable. I want you guys to know Steve's dedication. Steve lives – uh, how far from the city? Couple uh, hours? Ninety minutes. So ninety about minutes. Two hours and fifteen minutes currently. And every Damn, other Saturday, that was, that was exactly the same amount trip it took me just to get from from here Far Rockaway. Rock yeah. Um, but JB was getting paid. Anyway, Steve has to either take the train or drive every other Saturday to be on this podcast. And today, his fucking car broke down. So 
in this, we have this lovely 12-year-old car that was my husband's and I first New York car together. It's purple. It looks like an eggplant. And we love it. Mm. And we just spent, I don't know, like twenty five, no, $3,000 on the car. And as I was driving down it, I started to smell smoke. And I thought, you know what? We're fine. So <laughs> I was okay. And then I parked it and thought, shit, I can't park here. I'm going to get towed. For those of you that don't live in New York City, New York City is very tow happy. Yeah. So I went to go turn it back on or turn the car on and move it, and it would not turn on. Luckily, I have a jump battery for just such occasion, and thank God the jump battery worked. I was able to take it to the parking garage, and I just told the attendant, my car may not start, and that's okay. Here's where the jumper is. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bottom. <laughs> and uh, if, if, uh, if you need to, you'll blow the uh, mechanic to get the car. He was very cute. Of course he you know, was. I would. I would help him help me. Well, I thank you for your <clears throat> for your dedication, and I wish you luck getting home safely. Um, okay, a couple updates. My uh, sex-related injury is all healed. My back is fine. I can resume uh, moderate fucking. I can't. I can't go hard anymore at my age. Moderate. But uh, you know, just a little uh, a little bit of pounding uh, <clears throat> I can take. Also, uh, we. Did get a new review on January 9th. This is our first review since October, but I'll take it. Uh, this is from a, a mysterious listener known as Driving Commuter. That's all it says. And uh, the headline is, got an hour? Listen to this. This show has been so fun to listen to once a week, every week, for the past few years. I can't wait for the next episode to drop. Ryan, JB, and Adam have been central to my COVID laughter. Sorry, Steve. He didn't mention you. Can't wait to listen more. So funny, so smart, just a great show that talks about so many important things. And it's also hysterical. Aww. Thank you, Driving Commuter. If you would like to be recognized on the air as a spectacular and beloved listener, leave a review like Driving Commuter did. Thank you. Do you think they commute? I think it's probably someone who commutes in a car, but I'm just guessing. I don't know. Um... All right, let's do some recommended viewing uh, and uh, take it away, Gail. I hate this segment. Who gives a fuck what anyone else is watching on TV? This shit sucks. I have to tell you, people do give a shit. I get so many uh, emails from people saying, I watched this because of your recommendation and I loved it. I've also been And you emails. get those too. Yeah. <laughs> so people. I think it's, we're doing an important service. Yeah. Uh, let's start with JB this week. Oh, oh, okay, great. Um, so this week, you. I, it's haha funny because I have two, but they're not they're not cartoons or anime. Shocking. So, yeah, I know. Okay, so the first one is called Rizzoli and Isles. It's on HBO Max. Say the name again. Rizzoli and Isles. Okay. I've never seen it. I've watched. I binge all seven seasons in the past week. Oh. It's really good. It's about this detective and her best friend who's a medical examiner, and they get into wacky shenanigans. Um, is it a comedy? Shenanigans. No, it's a. It, I mean. Yes and no. Like a dramedy. Your dramedy. Yeah, it's a dramedy with mystery. Rizzoli and Isles. Rizzoli and Isles. That's on HBO Go or Max, wherever it's Okay, Max. Yes. And then another show I watched, which I was very surprised at, that I enjoyed, was Mr. Iglesias. I was like, oh, this is actually a good show. What's this? Okay, so it's Gabriel Iglesias, and he's a history teacher in a public school. And he's really trying hard to fight for these kids who are failing out or have real life problems. Oh. Yeah, so it's it's a great take on that. Kind I, of like Lean on Me, Dangerous Minds, yeah. that sort of genre. Is it serious? Uh, it has its serious moments, but it's a comedy because there's Gabriel Iglesias with him and his funny voices. And what um, channel is it on? It's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, JB. 
Steve Cesaro. So I found this great program on Netflix, and it's called Stay Close. And because I'm horrible at um, describing shows, I'm just going to read the little bio. Oh, please. <laughs> As her wedding approaches, Megan Pierce is troubled by a visitor from her past. Detective Mike Broom finds a new disappearance reminiscent of a cold case. Mm, right? Spooky. <clears throat> we actually binged it in two days. Me and my husband did. It was I discovered it on my inaugural train ride to the ass. Oh. Um, and then I got halfway through the first episode, and I thought, shit, I have to watch this with my husband because it's too good. Is it a procedural? <clears throat> what do you mean? Like Law and Order? Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Think of it as like, like five stories going on, and you can't quite figure out why they're connected. Uh-huh. And then at the very end, you think you've connected it, and then you're fucked, and you're completely wrong, and it's connected by something else. Interesting. Yeah. Surprise, motherfucker. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like a like a serial murder mystery. Um, and I, the reason Surprise, why. motherfucker. <laughs> And the reason why I read the synopsis instead of telling you is I feel like I give away details because it's so nuanced in the right. little details that it gives you. No, we appreciate that. Yeah. Stay so, close. On Netflix. All right. Well, I'm going to recommend uh, both seasons one and two, which just came out, of Cheer on Netflix. So Not to be confused with Cheers. Uh, Cheer, I watched the first season when it came out. It follows a uh, a. a junior college cheerleading team in Corsicana, Texas, that they're the number one uh, cheerleading team in the country for their division. And they have this fabulous coach named Monica, who will be played by Julia Roberts in the movie. Um, and it, it's it was very inspiring. There were all these hard luck uh, stories of kids who had, had, you know, had nothing growing up. Some of them lost their parents. They were uh, homeless, all kinds of, of of hardships, and then they become part of this team, and their lives change. and And it was so heartwarming and inspirational. Well, after season one aired, in the ensuing couple of years that have gone by, uh, there were massive scandals that rocked a number of people in the documentary, um, including accusations, very credible accusations of sexual assault against minors, and it. It was just shocking and, and horrible because these people that we had loved so much turned out to be uh, m- very possibly monsters. On top of that, you had COVID, which completely fucked up their season. They were like days away from going to Daytona, which is where the championships are, and then COVID hit. So the second season is so different from the first season. It's got such a different tone. Plus, they follow a second junior college down the road from this one, Navarro, Um that's which is their main rival. They're these two community colleges that are battling it out to be like the best cheerleading team in the country. It's really, it's got everything. It's got drama. It's got heartache. It's got it's shocking. It's still inspirational. I still love Monica. I don't know why she gets so much hate. I love her. She's, you love her, right? She's fabulous. And the thing, I, she just does such a great job as a coach. But she's so no bullshit, but yes. she shows her heart always. I think so too, but I think because she has a flat affect, people think she's a cunt. And she's really not. No. Uh, anyway, I, I'm, I would love for you guys to watch it. My sister was so uh, had so many things to, to say about it that she actually called me. We had a whole conversation about season two. So watch season one if you haven't already, then watch season two. I binged it. You will enjoy it. All right. Let's move on. It's, uh, it's already 10 after. Um, and I was thinking, what should we lead with this week? And I thought, well, what's the thing that I've most been seeing and hearing about on 
Twitter and Instagram and Facebook this week, and that is the Atlantis Gay Cruise that is wrapping up uh, tonight. Tonight's the last night of it. They all get off the ship tomorrow. This is a 5,000-person uh, gay cruise that was obviously planned for some time. And, you know, with being in the middle of a major wave of, of Omicron, um, there were many, many people, gay and straight, questioning the wisdom of 5,000 people coming together on a boat where, you know, let's be honest, it's people are going to take tons of drugs and dance shoulder to shoulder and cheek to cheek and fuck each other's brains out for a week. Like, is this wise? Um, is it wise for the people going and is it wise for the people that they're going to interact with after the cruise? Now, we're not going to name any names, but I have a number of friends on this cruise, two of which have guest co-hosted this podcast before. <laughs> it's not me. Notice I said I'm guest here. co-host. <laughs> yes, Steve is not on the cruise. Um, I have many thoughts about this. I'm going to turn it over to Steve first. So – I am potentially being a part of the problem by going to Puerto Vallarta next week. Um, I love your pronunciation. Thank you. Uh, where there will be over 5,000 homosexuals who are also deliciously sexy bears for beef dip. Oh, beef dip. For beef dip. Yes. Um, this is a bear event. It is. B-E-A-R, <laughs> but also B-A-R-E. Um, and here's the thing. Um, we were deciding if we were going to go or not go specifically because of Omicron, and we are very lucky and we haven't gotten COVID yet. So I asked my brother who runs the uh, nursing division of pulmonary trauma for Well Cornell for uh, nursing, which I said. And um, he said that the doctors have kind of come to this conclusion that it's not healthy for people to live away from each other. So as long as we're vaccinated and we're boosted and we're doing the best that we can, that it's time to start living our lives again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And then my husband, uh, was having a check-in with his doctor and he had asked the same question to his doctor during his regular checkup and his doctor said the exact same thing uh who uh works for new york presbyterian so um i guess that's just where we are now is you know there was first panic and then there was first what do we do and now it's all right how do we go back to our lives because we are social people and we need to be social people so with that bringing it back to the cruise I almost think like as long – I don't know if they did – you know, everyone had to be vaccinated or everyone had to be tested before. I know for a fact that everyone had to be – had to test negative within 24 hours of boarding the boat. I believe that they – you know, the vast majority of them are vaccinated. Whether or not that was a requirement, I'm not sure. I think it probably yeah. was. Then I would think, you know, then we have to get back to our lives at some point. Otherwise, we're just going to go crazy. Um, and Beef Dip is uh, – vaccine only but they're not requiring the boosters um and if you haven't gotten the booster you have to get um what do you call it uh tested 48 hours not 24 hours before you go so i would make everyone get the booster here's my thing we talked about this issue in 2020 when there was a a big gay party in mexico uh i think it was mexico yeah also in pv that that, was it the same party it was no a different one but it was that they had the big boat cruise in pv yes and the boat sank (laughs) And we were saying at the time, like, we were, I was really shaming them. But that was a very different time. There were no vaccines. Uh, Mexico at that point was raging with COVID and the hospitals were full. And it was my feeling that uh, being 
mostly white gay Americans coming down here to have a massive party was actually putting um, the the people of Mexico at risk and especially putting healthcare workers in hospitals, stressing them out even further, pushing them even further toward the brink um, by potentially bringing, you know, a, a new a, another COVID outbreak into their country. This is a very different time now. Now we've got vaccines, we've got yeah. boosters. Omicron, we have to be honest, it's not the same as original recipe COVID or Delta COVID. It, it is mild for those of us who are vaccinated. And I, I, I mean, is this a good idea? No. But we have to be consistent in, in the way we apply our standards. I go to a gym every single day with hundreds of other gay men and we are working out and we, are, we don't have masks on. It's yeah. not a requirement. I now, they do the require too. vaccine. We have to show proof of vaccine to, be, to even be, walk in the door in my gym. But once we're in there, the masks are off. How is that different than going on a cruise? You know, how is it different when I go to a restaurant and we all take our masks off when we sit down at the table? Either we're going to apply the same standard everywhere or we're not. And I think part of what's happening with the Atlantis cruise and the attack – because go on Twitter and Google Atlantis cruise. And first of all, you'll see – Lots of hot videos of people fucking and sucking on the dance floor, which I do enjoy jerking <laughs> off to. But you'll also just see endless shame. Um, you know, a bunch of rich white assholes spreading COVID everywhere they go. All they care about is themselves. It's so selfish, blah, blah, blah. There's a little bit of truth in that. But at the same time, uh, like Steve said, at what point are we going to start living our fucking lives again? It's been yeah. two years. And then I thought, well, what about the staff on those ships? You know, many of them come from countries where vaccines are not readily available, where they don't have the same standard of health care. And then I thought, well, why don't we ask them? Yeah. Would they rather not have any work or would they rather have work and take this risk, which they are fully aware of? They know, you know, where they're working and, and what's going to be happening on the ship. I just think it, it, things are more nuanced now. And it isn't just a question of like you can do everything right. Right, you can follow every rule. You can wear your mask twenty four seven. You can get all the shots and still get sick. There's no, there's no avoiding this anymore. The cat's out of the bag. Um, particularly with Omicron, which is so wildly contagious that who gets it and who doesn't get it, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, the other thing that happened was what what kicked off a lot of the controversies that the New York Times ran an article entitled "Can a Gay Cruise Keep Forty Seven Hundred People Safe Amid COVID." And this stirred up a lot of shit. They quoted uh, passengers that were going on the ship. One of them is uh, named Andre Meyer, a graphic designer from Germany. His quote is, this is going to be the wildest party for our community in two years. I'm talking dirty dancing, sex, drugs, raves, orgies, and sweet, sweet freedom. Oh, yeah. So you had quotes like that. Throughout the article, and then, but but then Atlantis released a statement saying they've checked, and f of the five so-called passengers quoted in that article, four of them aren't going on that cruise and have never been on an Atlantis cruise, as far as they can tell. So, so we don't even know where they got these fucking quotes. Whoever said that is an asshole. You're an asshole, Andre Meyer. You just don't say that to the fucking New York Times about a gay cruise, even if it's true. Um. Anyway, I think I've said enough about this. My Good friend who is on it has had the time of his life, <laughs> has sent me a number of choice photos and videos. Um, he told me yesterday that they have 
the you know every day there's a health update where the ship tells them like how people are doing, and so far the ship says there's been two cases of COVID. Now that is clearly <laughs> horseshit. That's a lie. <laughs> That's either they're lying or there's boys walking around that ship who are sick as dogs and just not telling anyone. I think that's probably more likely because if you do say you're sick, then you're quarantined for the rest of the cruise in your room. <laughs> Don't they? Um, I would just assume that if you're going to these places, you kind of assume either that you're going to get COVID or that you're going to be around COVID period. Like Lane and I have already decided that, all right, we're going to be there. And I told Lane, like, should we just rent a, a room for a week afterwards? Cause we're going to get COVID. And he's like, stop saying that. But like, we were assuming, right? Like what's our risk. And the risk is there's a really good chance we're going to get COVID. Right. Not that I want it. I'm not saying I'm, I'm chasing it, but I mean, you know, that's, that's sort of, but the point is happening. it is, it is a, uh, a pandemic of the unvaccinated right mm -hmm. now. Those of us who have been responsible and gotten our vaccines, we can get COVID. And the overwhelming odds are that we're not going to be more than minorly inconvenienced. We're not going to be hospitalized. We're not taking up valuable resources and we're not going to die. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like at this point, everyone has to make their own decisions. By the way, that text message that just interrupted the show is from Ryan Frostig, Aww. who apparently forgets that we have a podcast and is like, hey, what are you up to? <laughs> I'm taking this picture and oh, sending Ryan. it to him. Um, all right, let's move on. Another big controversy this week involved Ted Cruz's daughter. Do you guys know about this? Yes. She's 13 years old. Her name's Caroline. She has a TikTok. And she made some TikTok videos, as the kids do. And in one of them, she said that she basically <clears throat> disagrees with her father's politics, which good for her. Um she said that her parents digitally altered a photo from the family's Christmas card to make her clothing look more conservative. <laughs> LGBTQ Nation uh, reported the story, but in doing so, they also mentioned that in her profile on TikTok, she refers to herself as bi. Oh. So they ran with the headline, Ted Cruz's teen daughter comes out as bisexual. Now, she didn't actually come out. But she did include uh, pronouns and describe herself as bi in the profile, as I said. Um, and then a screenshot of a comment, thre comment thread shows someone asking her if bisexuality is something her father knows about. And she replied, I haven't told him yet. I'm kind of nervous, to be honest, but I don't think he would be mad about it. So right-wing Twitter flipped out uh, and a number of right-wing media outlets attacked LGBTQ Nation and others for what they called outing this 13-year-old girl saying she should be off limits. What about when Obama was president? We weren't allowed to talk about his daughters. Why are we allowed to talk about Ted Cruz's daughter? She's only 13. She's not responsible for what she's saying. Um, and, and also Obama protected his daughters. Let's, let's be very clear on that. Oh, mm -hmm. there's no comparison right. to yeah. that situation as far as <laughs> I'm concerned. His daughters he, he were not- an actual parent to his child. And, and Michelle was having none of that fuckery. Like, <laughs> okay? Right. They took so, care of their kids. Yeah. But the point is, it's not like someone went digging around for this. Yeah. She made the video. She put the profile up. She publicly discussed. Now, there's some question as to whether a 13-year-old really has the wherewithal to know and understand the consequences of her actions. But my problem with, with the right wing's <clears throat> reaction to this is they're still treating – queerness as if it's a dirty secret that we're not allowed to talk about 
especially with regard to kids. Nowadays, kids are perfectly fine saying, I'm queer, I'm bi, I'm gay, I'm non-binary, whatever it is. It's not a big deal for them. It's not shameful, nor should it be shameful. And when you have this kind of reaction, what you're basically saying is that in in uh, reporting that she's bisexual, you're somehow slandering her. You're, you're making her seem lesser. There, there's nothing wrong with being bisexual. I think the story here is that this anti-gay, right-wing, piece-of-shit senator has a 13-year-old daughter who A, identifies as bi, B, doesn't agree with her father's politics. Steve Cesaro, you say what? You know, what 13, is that fifth grade? Sixth grade? Mm-mm. What grade is that? Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Oh, I was just thinking like end when? Of, end of seventh, beginning of eighth. Oh, you know. I, or at least for me, I remember in fifth grade specific like flashbacks of knowing that I was gay, but not knowing what that meant and not really knowing that the term was gay, just that, you know, I like looking at boys. So I think she knows what she's doing. But also if she, you know, put it on a public forum like TikTok or Twitter, and also her parents are people that are publicly known, then they're not do, do, doing their due diligence by checking up on what she's writing. But also, I mean, it shouldn't be viewed as, some, like you said, something dirty. We should just be, okay, if that's what you feel like for today, then that's what, I mean, we can't assume that she's going to feel like that forever. She's still, in my opinion, too young to like really, uh, form, you don't think? Sis, no, I was sucking dick at 13. Like, I, I already knew dick was I like, I even, if I was taking me a jaggy pussy. Like, that was, like, no. <laughs> I was wrong. very Catholic. I was terrified of oh. doing any of those things. But I think, I think you really I grow into your own in, like, high school where you, like, are super sure. But I think you can no, still I experiment agree. in, I like, agree. middle school and not, you know? I think a lot of kids and, and teens who identify as one way or another might not necessarily stick to that yeah. 10, 15, 20 years later. A lot of sexuality and gender is fluid, period. Um, I identified as straight when I was her age. <laughs> then I identified as bi for a summer. Aww. Then I identified <laughs> a as a faggot-ass faggot. <laughs> and, uh... Bottom. Actually, I didn't identify as a bottom until I was like 30. I was a strict top for a long time there. But anyway, um, I don't know. I I guess I I can see the argument that a 13-year-old is still a child and um, probably should just be kept out of the media in general, regardless of what she's up to. Um, But then again, it goes back to parenting. Like that's something on the parents. Like, yes. Like she's thirteen. There's no way you charge social media. Should be. She shouldn't have social media. What was she doing with her social media in the first place? Sis, like, you can tell exactly what kind of parent JB is going to be. I'm not going to be. Not going to allow for any fuckery. No, you'll be a great one. You'll just say that's it. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, my kids, they're going to be grown up in the house. Never set foot outside. They'll be the bubble boy. That's what <laughs> What do you call that? That's a helicopter parent. Yeah, helicopter parent. Yes, that was my mother. Well, also, move – sorry, mother. go ahead. No, I was also my mother. <laughs> my parents were pretty hands-off by the time I came around. I was I was the third and, and last, and they were like, you're on your own. <laughs> Good luck. Do your own thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Clay Aiken is running for Congress again. Poor guy. I know, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> he hasn't figured it out yet. The former American Idol star announced uh, last Monday that he's running for a congressional bid for a seat in the Triangle area of North Carolina, not to be confused with the Pink Triangle area. Um, Aiken is 43 now. He's a Democrat. He's looking to become the first openly gay congressional member to represent either of the Carolinas. Um, and he's running 
in one of three wait a minute he's running in one of the three safe democratic seats in the state um but he has to win the primary of course so if he wins the primary he wins the election but this is his second attempt he ran the first time in 2014 um he's joining a field that inc- that includes at least six primary opponents to fill the seat of retiring uh democratic congressman david price in the newly drawn sixth congressional district which includes orange and durham counties um, Aiken singled out two GOP leaders, 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 in his campaign announcement video, calling out Republican U.S. Representative Madison Hawthorne as a white nationalist and Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson as a hateful homophobe. Aiken had the rainbow flag draped behind him and projected images of Cawthorn and Robinson. He said, "Just think how excited these guys are going to be when we elect the South's first gay congressman." If the loudest and most hateful voices think they're going to speak for us, just tell them I'm warming up the old vocal <laughs> vocal cords. <laughs> okay, like Camille Cabello, I have questions. Oh, okay. What are your questions? So here's, here's question number one, which I think this is your base question for any politician. What What's his stance? Why is he doing this? What, what's going on here? Is she like fighting for things? Or is she just doing this for the public? Because I'm like, again... I mean, I didn't know you guys in 2014. I wasn't very political at all, so I kept my head, I kept my nose down. Do we assume he's smart? I mean, he's... I don't even think she's smart. Listen, he's got to be a hell of a lot smarter than most of those morons. Look at look at Madison Cawthorn. Look at Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Louis Gozer. He's smarter. Louis Gomer. He's smarter than any of them. You, you know don't what? have to be a genius yeah. to to be a congressman these days. No, but you have to have some sort of platform. I feel this is how I feel. You have some sort of platform or something to stand for. Well, LGBTQ and... equality. That's his platform so okay. far. Yeah. Listen, I'm fine with famous people running these days as long as they're Democrats because we we have to do anything we can. We now live in a reality show nation where a, a moron con man reality show star became president so if this, that that's what it's going to take like i'm fine with ben affleck you want to run for senator go do it whatever whatever as long as we get the democratic votes that's all we need we need a democratic house and senate we need to keep a democrat in the white house so if he wins great i don't think he's going to yeah but okay question two um, last time I heard about Clay Aiken, she was fighting the whole homosexuality. Now, no, now that was a long him. time ago. Oh, He's see, been out for a long time. I haven't paid. This is how long I haven't paid attention. To he her. was out. He was out even as far back as 2014. Yeah. No, sis, I just I haven't paid attention. Like even when she was on my well, side, I thought she was a weak, a weak contestant. Well, that remains to be. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. Okay, yeah, let's move right. on. I've been wanting to do this story for three weeks. We keep skipping it. Viagra may prevent Alzheimer's disease. A major study has suggested a link between taking Viagra and a significant reduction in the risk of developing Alzheimer's. Uh, This was done by the Cleveland Clinic. The study found that people who took Viagra were almost 70% less likely to develop Alzheimer's over the next six years of follow-up compared to those who didn't take it. This is a massive and unexpected potential benefit to the drug. Um, But, of course, you know, Viagra comes with its own complications i love viagra in terms of what it does for my cock but and it's a big butt um and a big dick it's well (laughs) bigger it makes me so congested that i cannot breathe 
through my nose and it gives me horrific heartburn. Like, so I feel like I'm having a heart attack and then that happens until I can let out some very long, loud belches and then I feel fine. But it's not like an easy thing for me. However, if it gives me a harder, bigger dick and wards off Alzheimer's, I'm going to keep taking it. I mean, okay, so I can understand the study of it because what Viagra does is potentially erases your heart so your penis to get bigger, which... Erases your heart. Raises. Raises your heart so your penis to get bigger because it's just blood. I thought it constricts more. your uh, arteries. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. But my problem is with it... No, I feel like my problem is that if you want to do it, have a doctor talk yes. to you about it. Like, Agreed. Let's do controlled doses. Yeah, don't just start popping Viagra. Yeah, yeah, because then that, because a, a second issue is you might develop a blood clot from the Viagra. Yes, there's all kinds of things. Yeah. But it's nice that, um, it's nice that when something that we're already taking turns out to be good for us. Um, very quickly, MJ Rodriguez became the first trans actor to win a Golden Globe. Hey. Where's the applause? Oh, I'm sorry. Here we go. The 31-year-old took home a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a TV Drama for her role as house mother and nurse Blanca on the FX show Pose. This marks the first time in history that a trans actor has won a Golden Globe. Um, we missed the Golden Globes this year. They didn't televise them, which is fucking weird. But um, congratulations to her. And finally, um, a, a major fashion icon died this week. This made the front page of the New York Times. Andre Leon Talley. Died at the age of 73. Um, you guys both know who he was, right? No, but I will Google him. JB? Right <laughs> I'm kind of shocked. I, I feel like he was such an iconic figure, uh, particularly for um, queer men of color. Andre Leontali was a fashion journalist, but he was so much more than that. He was an advisor to major designers um, like... Yves Saint Laurent, Karl Lagerfeld, yeah. Paloma Picasso, Diane von Furstenberg. He was basically um, Anna Wintour's right-hand man for years. Um, and he popped up in everything. Any documentary about fashion, there was Andre Leon Talley. Devil Wears Prada, there's Andre Leon Talley. Like he, he was just this towering – he was six foot seven, and he got bigger and bigger as the years went on. Um, started wearing these gigantic caftans and these things that he would sort of drape around himself. But he has an incredible story. I encourage you to read the full obituary in the Times. He grew up dirt poor in the Deep South, raised by his grandmother. And in a recent interview, he talked about the influence that she had on him and particularly um, the fashions of, of his grandmother and the other black women he saw every Sunday when he would go to church. Take a listen. Church style is what gave me my personal style. Mm -hmm. I grew up with my grandmother in a house where it was just me, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother. Mm -hmm. And church, the attention to Sunday church going, not only the clothes, the hats, the gloves. I'm trying to get a pair of gloves right now before I go on set. I'm trying to go over to get some gloves. Yeah. Hats, everything, impeccable. They didn't have a lot of clothes. My grandmother had one suit in her closet. It was yeah. black from 1947. And when she took her first airplane ride in 1988, mm -hmm. she was wearing that suit. It was a Rothamir. And it was a black suit. It lasted forever. Mm -hmm. So it was, you learned about quality with very little money. And there's one thing you can always learn is that you don't have to be rich to have great taste. No. Taste is something that comes from within and from your... 
Andre Leontelli, dead at 73. He was an amazing figure. I uh, encourage you to watch. There's a 2017 documentary about him um, that I have not yet watched, but I'm going to. So uh, rest in peace. All right. Are we ready for our guest, JB? No, he hasn't joined the call yet. Oh, dear. Well, this is upsetting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> all right. I'm going to hand this story, which we didn't get to do, to Steve. My, my first on oh, air. Yes. Wait, I lie. He, he, he joined the Is he there? Show. Okay. Are we, uh, are we good to know? Yeah, sure. All right. Our guest today has been named College Comedian of the Year, has entertained our troops overseas, and has numerous TV appearances. He's also an accomplished TV and screenwriter whose credits include Psycho Storm Killer and Love Always Santa. Here's a taste of the comedy stylings of Jay Black. Life is a special ed teacher, which is like teaching first grade every day. And here's the thing. She spends all day long making little kids feel better about themselves, which is fine, except it crawls into her voice. And it stays there. She gets special ed teacher voice, and it doesn't go away. I hear it all the time after sex. Like, no, you did a very good job in there. You were trying very hard. I can tell. Don't cry. Here's a sticker. I get stickers, which I think is nice. I have a book, and there's a frog, and it says, hopping good job. Now. And please give a warm-ass welcome to Jay Black. Earth to Jay, Earth to Jay. Do you read us, Jay? Hello? Jay Black? Jay Black, if you're listening, please say something. What do we think is happening, JB? Don't know. Don't know. What do we think is happening, JB? Oh, hey, no. I'm, I'm here. You know, I was trying to switch over to my headphones and oh, it wouldn't no. let me. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. And do we still have an echo? No, I think we're good. Hello, Jay. Welcome. Hello? Adam, I'm so sorry. I was running around like a crazy person trying to get ready for this. I thought there was a video feed, so I took a shower oh. and uh, I combed my beard. And uh, my, my daughter was like, why are you getting all dressed up? It's audio. And very, uh, you know, very much like I knew better than her. I was like, no, there's a video <laughs> component to this. And now I feel very silly. But otherwise, I'm doing great. This uh, is a I common – this I is a – it's a common mistake that our guests make. Uh, I need to make, be clear with people that this is a, a podcast only. Um, Jay, I understand you were unhappy with the photo that we used of you in your promo because you're far more fuckable now uh, after a weight loss. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, it depends on what you're into. Um, you know, I, I feel like there are people who might be, uh, you know, happy to be with a bigger dude. But for the most part, yeah, I've been working real hard post-pandemic to get down to a uh, fuckable weight. And, uh, you know, my wife will do that thing, and I guess all partners do that, where she'll be like, no, 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 you, you're just as fuckable now as you were when you were 70 pounds heavier. But that's a lie. And it's like, I know, yeah, I know you have to say that for when I put the weight back on, but, like, at least give me something for losing the weight. You know, just be like, oh, no, it's, it's a little bit better not to have my ribs crushed. Like, just something. Well, my, my co-host, Steve, who's here, uh, is a fan of the larger man. So he's probably sad that you lost 70 pounds. Steve, <laughs> would you still fuck Jay Black even post-weight loss? I just Googled your new uh, thinner you, and you look great both ways. I, I appreciate oh, the weight I appreciate loss, and I appreciate the bigger man. Now, if you could send us a dick pic, that would help us decide. 
Oh yeah, no, it's. Uh, I, I feel like once you get past forty, I don't know if it's a good idea to ever do that. Like, I, I have uh, charcoal sketches I could send you. <laughs> Cave drawings. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I uh, I hired uh, Leo DiCaprio from Titanic to sketch her. <laughs> now, Jay, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I expect yeah. the answer to be no. Do you remember the one and only time that you and I performed together? I'm, well, if you give me the place, I would have a better chance of remembering it. Okay. Do, do you, your do you, hint is I don't know how long. Ago. Your hint is Jewish Community Center. Did we work with uh, Robin? Yes. Very yeah. good. Robin Fox booked both of us. I want to say at least ten years ago, probably more, um, at a wow. JCC in New Jersey, and I thought you were so goddamn funny. And I remembered, I I've remembered your name ever since and didn't run into you again because you don't usually perform in New York City. No. You're I'm a, a Southern Jersey boy. Jersey, Philly, Vegas, all over the place, but, uh, but not so much New York. Yeah. But I remembered you. I remembered you were awesome. And I remember particularly the joke you told about the woman in the audience who wouldn't stop shaking her head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a true story. Can you share that story uh, with my listeners? Because it's my favorite. Yeah, so in the, in the, uh, the, the um, uh, way I tell it on stage, I talk about it. it was, uh, I say Vegas, but it was actually Atlantic City. Uh, there was a woman in the front row. Uh, the way I tell it on stage is she was, I don't want to use hyperbole, but she was the world's oldest human being. She was 274 years old. And uh, old ladies, when they don't like it, they give you the old lady head shake. You know, you can't see me do it, but you know what I'm talking about. Like that sort of, I guess it, it, the Karen-y kind of like, oh, no, I don't like what you're doing. No, I don't like what you're doing there. So the entire show she was doing that, not just after the dirty jokes, but after every joke. And finally, after like 40 minutes of this, I was like, lady, what the fuck? What, what do I need to do to make you stop shaking your goddamn head? And uh, it was Parkinson's. Uh, <laughs> and no, the, what, what the reaction that you're feeling. What I remember, what I remember you're saying is, she said, I can't stop shaking my head. I have Parkinson's. (laughs) Yes, yes. She said that. And the woman was the nicest woman. She wasn't mad at me. She like, it was a little, it's dark in the theater. So, you know, you you can't see the person all that well. You can just see the movement. So she was like, I wasn't upset. I just have Parkinson's. And uh, do you know Dina Blizzard? No uh, comic out of uh, Philadelphia. She's the former Miss New Jersey, who's a stand-up comic. She she doesn't do as much comedy now. She used to do a lot of um, uh, warm up in the city, but I think she's got like a very successful line of like merchandise that she she mostly does now. But uh, she was in the back of the room uh, for that, so she's my witness on that. Uh, where she just was like she ran on stage, she ran out because you know. People don't understand this, but comics love to watch each other bomb yes. when we like each other. Right. It's just fun to see someone because you're like, it's a Thursday night. No one gives a shit. I'm going to just come out and watch this. So she was in the back watching me eat shit in front of these nine people. The bus crowd in Atlantic City where they lose all their money and they just got comped into the comedy club. And uh, they're waiting for the bus. And uh, she was in the back and she was like, I, I am so ha- like I thank every God that exists that I got to see you get into that situation. So, uh, yeah, so, it was very nice. Uh, it's so funny and such a, uh, you know, I don't know. I love when when the, someone makes light of darkness and the fact that she was in on the joke and she wasn't, like, hurt or upset. I, I, that's, to me, that makes the joke. 
Now, yeah, there's a, it's weird. I told that joke once at uh, at a charity event somewhere, and it wasn't for Parkinson's, but a guy got up and like walked out very angrily in a way that everyone could see. Yeah. And as he was leaving, I was like, "What? What's going on?" He's like, "My aunt has Parkinson's," and I was like, "You're more angry than the lady who had Parkinson's <laughs> for your aunt." It's like, come on, man, don't just relax. Everybody's well, fine. it's like Joan Rivers used to say. The whole point of comedy is to take something dark and terrible and and allow us to laugh at it. That's that's why comedy right. exists. And if we can't laugh at the stuff that's painful and difficult, then what are we even doing here? And, you know, I, I agree with you 100 percent, Adam. And, and one of the things I like to do uh, with my comedy anyway, and, you know, even my Twitter feed, because I, I love your Twitter. I only oh, I appreciate that. I. I try to only punch up. I try to never punch down. Right. But I, I, I mean, unless you're going after Ted Cruz, cause he's always on all fours. But, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, the thing about, uh, I, that joke to me, isn't the punchline isn't that she has Parkinson's. The punchline is I didn't know she of had course. Parkinson's. And it, it feels like I'm the asshole there. Of like, course. I try to make myself a bad guy. Right. You're, you're not, not laughing not at her. Line. You're laughing at yourself for being, completely humiliated uh in a situation where right. you're yelling at someone who has a medical problem and can't help what she's doing i mean that of course that's the joke but i think you have to be and smart enough to get that, it yeah well i i do a joke in my act about my wife um giving birth and i go like uh uh, you know, she, we, we, I go back to see my son for the first time and I go, my wife doesn't come and I do air quotes and I go, cause she was tired or whatever. And, uh, I had a woman come up to me after the show and was like, you know, that thing where you make fun of women for being tired after pregnancy, you should know that it's hard to give birth. Oh and I was God. like, yes, I know. That's the premise of the joke. And she's like, no, but you say like, you put air quotes up, like you don't think it was. And I was like, no, it's funny because. I, the, my character on stage doesn't know that, but the right. people in the audience do. And that that dramatic irony is why, remember when everyone laughed? Like, they weren't <laughs> laughing because I was saying that pregnancy is easy. Right. Like, that's the joke. And she's like, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. And I'm like, we're not agreeing to disagree. You are wrong. <laughs> it's almost and, like people you know, people need to take a, a course on, on stand-up before they go to a comedy club. Because we've, we've as a yeah. society, we've sort of lost um, the point which is that the comedian says, I, says things that other people can't, and the comedian isn't necessarily saying what he or she believes, uh, but rather right. well, I, playing I a, with perception. I have a theory about this, which is it's a, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, and here's what I mean. Uh, Vonnegut once said that uh, every joke is tension created and then tension released, yes. which is another way of saying bringing darkness to light or whatever. The setup... Every setup, regardless of how simple the setup it is, it is a, it's a tension-creating setup. Why did the chicken cross the road? And then you go, I don't know. Why did the chicken cross the road? Why, do, why is he asking me this? You create tension, and then you relieve it in a silly way where you go uh, to get to the other side. Like, oh, I see. That was thank you. I'm, I'm laughing explosively now. I think that there is a generation of people, and I think that this is ultimately a good thing. It's just bad for stand-up, that have been taught to raise an issue the moment they get uncomfortable. Yes. And that's fine if you're like boss is saying, hey, a blowjob is going to be part of your quarterly uh, report. 
stand up and go, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this. But if a comedian is making you uncomfortable, at least wait till the end of the joke to see if that discomfort worked in some way That's right. to actually agree with you. Right. You know, just, just get to the end. And maybe the point will be, uh, no, I'm not actually feeling this way. People who feel this way are dumb. So that, right. that's my thinking on it. Ultimately, it's a good thing, but for stand-up, it sucks. Jay, you mentioned uh, your Twitter and Ted Cruz. And one of the things I find interesting about you is you, you've you never been a political comedian. Uh, I look at no. your stand-up clips, and it, it almost feels like you've gone out of your way to not be political. But you've, be, you've gone yeah. full libtard on Twitter. <laughs> to, to, yes. quote, to quote 100%. the language of of, uh, of the right wing, and uh, and your Twitter is funny and incisive, but brutal um, about the the Trumpers and the anti vaxxers At what point did you make a decision that you were going to go that direction, and have you lost fans because of it? Yeah, so uh, I was off Twitter. I got off Twitter in in November, I guess December of 2016. I don't know if you know what happened in November 16, but uh, it was not good. What happened? Uh, the the world. Oh uh, yes, that, you're that, talking about that, Trump. Uh, yes, Trump. I thought you meant with you yeah. personally. But, well, and also what you wouldn't know is, yeah, uh, October and November of 2016. I got sober and uh, I went into a facility to, to discuss mental health. Uh, outpatient, Adam. Don't It wasn't crazy. Come on. Uh, no, I was I, just going to say I, good for you. Yeah, I was working very hard on, you know, I, I had reached a, uh, a, a bottom and I was uh, not, not the way you bottom. think. Re relax. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, was, I just was trying to get my, my head together. And I had had a Twitter that was just for like little foo-foo ha-has, you yeah. know, like just little thoughts that popped into my head. And I had put together like 2,000 people on it. And it was not making me happy, especially as the Trump thing sort of, you know, I was, I was like ignoring my family to, to tweet at eggs, you yeah. know. Uh, and I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this. So for four years, I just stayed off all social media, which by the way, makes my management so happy. Yeah, I bet. Uh, they're like, yeah, no, 20, 2018. It's good that you don't have a Facebook people. People don't want to be able to find you. Um, so what, what happened was, uh, in 2020, I finally felt mentally ready to come back and I thought if I was going to come back and do it, you know, the thing I cared most about in the world was, you know, obviously what was going on with uh, uh, politics. And I was like, it'll be nice to have at least one place where I can just cut loose 100 percent and um, and really try to you know let people know how I feel. And the first week I did that, like of those 2000 people, my first tweet back. Like, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's good to see it back. And then a week later, I got a ton of, I'm leaving forever. I can't believe you've become a lip star. <laughs> and I just lost hundreds of followers right away. And I was like, ah, you know what? This will just be for me. And, you know, it's, it's a nice uh, discussion of art. I, not that tweets are art, but this idea of, you know, forgetting about pleasing people does go a long way to to please the minority of people who are uh, you know think similarly to you. So the the Twitter started to grow the more people I tried to alienate in red hat world, you know. I mean, your tweets are very they're not just angry. Like I feel like I'm just an angry cunt on Twitter. I'm just like fuck you, <laughs> anti-vax piece of shit. 
pro-Trump fashion. Like yours are very artful and yeah. clever and actually funny. Uh, I'm, they're probably not funny to MAGA nation, but I find them funny. So uh, it's Jay Black Comedian, right? That's your Twitter? Uh, no, it's Jay Black is funny. Jay, Jay Black, Black is funny. Sorry. Um, it's funny. What do you make of comedians? Because I feel like there's so many comedians I came up with in New York who have become these right-wing nutbags. And I yeah. feel they're they're just opportunists who saw a way to to gain a lot of followers without being particularly funny. I'm talking and I'm going to name names. I'm talking about Gino Bisconti, Chrissy Mayer, <laughs> Aaron Berg. I we've had Aaron Berg on the yeah. show because I always loved Aaron and I'm like what the fuck happened to you? Why are you doing this? You have to be smarter yeah, I, than this. I go back you know, I know Gino from when I first started, like 20 years ago. I didn't know he had uh, fallen into the, the MAGA pool. Oh, That's my God. Shame. He's yeah, the worst. I think there's three. He, he, every time he? I say anything on Twitter, he's like, you've got AIDS. Like, that's his reply to me. And that's uh, – see, I'm going to just say right there. I hate that, not just because it's it's uh, offensive, but, like, there, there's no art to it's that not funny. at all. It's not funny. It drives me nuts. Like it's it's. You're, what are you doing? You know, there's if. You, well, anyway, I, to answer the question, there. I think there's three reasons why comedians go MAGA, and uh, the, these are the three reasons. The first one is the most benign, which is I think that there's a lot of comics who are oppositional. Yeah. You know, part of the reason why I got in this is we wanted to tell the man to shut up. Right. Uh, whatever. Punk rock. You know, I don't uh, you don't got to do what you got to tell me to do. And, you know, I think that there was a perception, at least when I first got in. That, and I still believe this, that the man, whatever you want to define that as, is, is ultimately a conservative figure. Yes. The people who are trying to control you are, are not the liberals. It is the people that are trying to control your body, control your sexuality, control whatever. And I still feel pushing against the man is a liberal thing to do. But I think that there's enough people that have gotten poisoned by this idea of political correctness that they go, well, the man is telling me I, I can't use, you know, the, my racist slurs anymore. And it's like, that's not the man telling you that. That's just like being polite. Right. Like, things have moved on. You can't use those words anymore. But that does, but they get oppositional to that. And they go, well, I'm right wing now because left wing is the new, is the new uh, dictatorship. And it's so much bullshit, but that's how they see it. So right. I think that's one group. I think there's another group, and I, I mostly call out the Long Island and Staten Island guys about this, that are just dumb. They're yeah. just not very bright people. Uh, you know, they, they're the guys who are doing impressions of Jack Nicholson still. Right. Um, their, their brains are, are potato salad. And the third and, is uh, what? The third is exactly what you said. Opportunist. You know, I used to say like when shitty comics couldn't get gigs, they would just become a Christian comic. <laughs> and you don't have to be funny <laughs> to be a Christian comic. Right. You just have to not say a curse word, you right. know. So you just get up and say the same lukewarm material that never got a laugh, but now you're doing it at a, at a, a church and everybody's like, oh, he didn't say any curse words. He's wonderful. Right. I think, you know, a conservative comic is the new Christian comic. You, you know, I look at so uh, Stephen Crowder. You know, Stephen Crowder is doing shitty stand up, um, you know, just in, in it, when he does a public appearance, it's the same stuff he was doing 15 years ago, just now it's conservative somehow because it, it it was racist to begin with, but now it's racist and conservative. Right. So there's a group of people that go, oh, look at him. He He's not politically correct. 
It's like, yeah, politically correct is just another word for being polite. I so, think it's a yeah, sick it's- phenomenon. Uh, uh, we just have a couple minutes left, Jay, and I want to play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. As a former English teacher, what's your biggest grammatical pet peeve? Uh, anytime the, the there, 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 two, two, I don't, it's, I, I'm, I have a mixed feeling with it. One, it's terrible and stupid, but it is a nice calling card. So, you know, like, I don't have to really pay attention to this person. He's probably a MAGA. (laughs) (laughs) What's the gayest thing you've ever done, sexually speaking? Uh, I had, so I led a guy on, I have a very gay vibe, Adam. Hmm. Uh, I think that there's. A lot of like I am not I don't have a gay vibe in that like you know I'm like I, I think I'm the guy that guy, gay guys think they they can convert yes you know like if I get him enough he he would probably accept a blowjob yes and I'm not saying that isn't the case uh, but uh, I uh, down to the when studio. I was in uh, when I was in when I was in college I was I was a cock tease and I didn't know there is this guy who was gay who took me to a David Bowie concert. And I like every girl, I didn't know he was, he was gay. Number one. I didn't know he was into me. Number two. Actually, I did know he was gay. I didn't know he was into me, but like every girl that I ever hit on who, who like said at the time, like, I didn't know you were hitting on me. I was that girl, Adam. Cause right. he took me in like after the concert, he tried to kiss me and I'm like, Oh no, I'm not gay. And he's like, what? I took you to this concert. <laughs> what you accepted this? What didn't you know what was coming next? I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And he was so mad at me, but I get it. You just know, so, just so you know, Jay, uh, gay guys believe that we can have sex with any straight guy if we try hard enough. So, yeah, you know what? I can see that. Uh, yeah, thing that some okay. anti-vaxxers are drinking their own piss. What's the worst thing you've ever drank? Oh, uh, in college, um, I, I it was New Year's Eve. And I decided I got a little drunk and then I decided I would make my own cocktail. <laughs> so I was just mixing random stuff. Like I was trying to experiment and, uh, I drank all of that. And, uh, the, I, the, so it was, I laid down on the floor and my girlfriend at the time was like, you should get up and get into a bed. And I'm like, I'm fine here. What was in it? No, get up. So it was just, it was whatever shitty college booze that you had. I think there was a lot of schnapps. Because I can't drink schnapps. Like, even when I was drinking, I couldn't drink schnapps. Like, the smell would make me throw up. So I'm pretty sure that was in there. But it was just random. And I would give it to people, and they'd go, oh, that's terrible. And then I'd go, all right, well, I'll finish it because I don't want to waste the booze. And I would down it. And then I would make another one. And that New Year's, the next day, there's, like, pictures of me, and I look like a refugee. Like, I just have a blanket on me. I'm, like, eating soup. I'm, like, please leave me alone. Uh, so that. Who's, who's the worst successful comedian currently working? Oh boy, I, I'm going to say uh, Crowder. Does he count as a comic? He's a co- podcaster now. He was a shitty comic first. I don't know Stephen Crowder. He, he, I know Trey Crowder, who's the liberal redneck. No, no, Stephen Crowder is louder with Crowder. That guy. Yeah, he's the one that keeps getting. Uh, he he does all sorts of like uh, accents, you know, that he shouldn't be doing. Oh, dear. And uh, he's he's a conservative. But, like, uh, there was a great thing on Some More News. I don't know if you've ever checked out that YouTube channel. This guy went back and, like, found his old stand-up clips and just, like, ran them next to what he was doing now. And it was like I said before. It was like, 
a shitty open micer who ju just learned to say Trump at the end of every sentence to get an applause break from dum-dums. Right. Jay Black, you have been a delight. Thank you so much. Uh, remind people how they can follow you online. Uh, so just Jay Black is funny. I'm only on Twitter. I, I, as I was telling Adam in DMs, I do not work well in a visual medium. And uh, guys, uh, I just want to say, I thought this was like one of those super long podcasts. I'm sorry I gave such long. No, you were fantastic, but we got to run. We got uh, we got two seconds left. Steve and JB, please plug yourselves. Okay, Cub Mexican on Instagram and Steve Cesaro Medina on Facebook. At Sacramento 12, only on Instagram. And thank you both so much. We're back again next week with special guest Peppermint. Subscribe to this podcast at DNRstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at AdamSank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Insta at AdamSank and on TikTok.